here. Good morning and welcome into episode 46 of Jake's Take. I am Jake Heller. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Thank you for all of your support on the Jake's Take podcast page on Facebook. Today is the day, the 63rd Daytona 500, the Super Bowl of stock car racing. And joining me once again, my good friend, Jason Boone. How are we doing today, brother? Good morning, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Welcome to the Daytona 500. I can't believe it. We got the Super Bowl two weeks in a row, man. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, that big game last week. Uh-huh. The um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers win their second Super Bowl, seventh for Tom Brady. And today we got the Daytona 500. The action uh, hasn't ended. No, it hasn't. If only Bruce Arians was just given the command. <laughs> oh, man, that would be epic. The FCC would be cringing for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, like I said, the 63rd Daytona 500 is today. Green flag a little after 3 o'clock on Fox. Jeff Gordon and Mike Joy once again with the call. But a new addition to the Fox family this year, the man himself, Clint Boyer. (laughs) He has been good so far. And and he was great last night in the Xfinity race with Tony Stewart. I mean, they they were hilarious. And, I mean, they they were very lively. They kept it entertaining the whole race. Yeah, like we talked about yesterday, buddy, that's the thing is comparing Fox and NBC, really when it comes to NBC, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is really the only one that has, like, a true energy. Jeff Burton, you don't really feel it. And sometimes Steve Letarte and Rick Allen, they go a little bit over the top. But Boyer has just been an absolute natural on TV this year. Already. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, truly. And I, I know when I was on your show in the fall, when, uh, back in October, um, I had compared, you know, Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon, that maybe they could be like the NBA on TNT crew with uh, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. And so far, it's playing out that way. I mean, they, they just they have a very fun personality. And they're, they're keeping it lively and entertaining for the fans uh, watching at home. Absolutely. I mean, when I look at NBC, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Steve Letarte, they worked together for four years. So that's kind of it's kind of just like buddy, buddy. But, you know, with, with Gordon and Boyer, they're not afraid to rib each other whatsoever. No. And uh, even last night, I mean, Tony Stewart was really yeah. uh, clowning on Boyer for a while. Yeah. And I mean, he took it in stride. It was, yeah. it was great. Talking about all the team meetings and everything and how they, they deliberately made Boyer go last because of his attention span. <laughs> and then Tony, with all his success at Daytona. Yeah. Um, and and very little for Boyer. Yeah. Tony said, that's why I'm in my I got my own suite over yeah. here. <laughs> So one of the other things for today, the Grand Marshal for the Daytona 500 is Pitbull. And we have two, two brand new teams this year with two very, very big names in this world. One of them, obviously, is Pitbull, the track house team with him, Justin Marks and Daniel Suarez driving. But the other one, Boone, and I know that you're excited about this. A lot of people are excited about yes. this. 23XI. Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin, and Bubba Wallace. I mean, how big is it to have these guys that are known across the globe, really, when you think of it, to have them involved in NASCAR? Yeah, that's that's incredible. And, you know, and we'll talk about it later on. Uh, but I am very excited today for uh, Bubba Wallace. I think it's he's, he's in for a big day. And, um, you know, hopefully luck is on his side. Uh, but I mean, this is a big year for, for those guys. It's a brand new team. They're 
basically making their big debut today, and we'll see how it goes. Exactly, and you talked about it Thursday night during the qualifying races. If only Denny Hamlin could have been in that second duel with him, he probably could have emerged victorious when you think of it. Yeah, um, because really in that duel race, uh, Bubba did not really have a lot of uh, help. Um, Everybody else was all kind of, you know, helping each other out. They weren't really helping Bubba um, because Bubba didn't really have, you know, I mean, he's kind of technically on his own team. Mm -hmm. um, But I think it's going to be different today with Hamlin. I think those two link up at some point to kind of help each other out with the shifting. And the other thing, too, with Denny Hamlin is he's trying to make history himself. No driver has ever won three consecutive Daytona 500s. And the goal, it's steep in itself. Richard Petty, he tried it in 1975, and he ran into trouble. Kale Yarbrough, 1985, his engine broke. Sterling Marlin in 1996, he had a rocker arm break early in the Daytona 500. But you even said that Denny could still go to victory lane for the third 500 in a row. Yeah, I mean, right now, when you consider the active drivers, I'm not talking all time, but when you consider the active drivers at Daytona, there's no better right now at that track than Denny Hamlin. Exactly, exactly. Three Daytona 500 wins, and you can only imagine how many more he could have had if if things would have gone his way. And also, it, it blows my mind that he hasn't won the 400 there yet either. Yeah, that's... But, uh, that's kind of odd, but um, he, he's had luck at this particular race. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. It, it's, it's tough to guarantee anything. We saw the last two nights, you know, in trucks with Enfinger and last night with Justin Haley. You could be out of the race through no fault of your own. Exactly. You know, and if that's... there's a big wreck and, you know, De- Denny could do everything right today. Bubba could do everything right today. I mean, pick a driver. They could do everything right today. And due to the nature of the track, if there's a big pileup, it could take out guys that have been, that were flawless. Yeah, it's like Bill Belichick always says, <laughs> how crazy I'm, I'm quoting him, but all it takes is one mistake for, in, for it to end for everybody else. And that's the way Daytona has always been. Now, when I look at the – and I was going to say, when I look at the front row for this race, William Byron, a prime example on Thursday night, arguably had the fastest car in that race, just minding his own business. And Brad Keselowski, Garrett Smithley, it's, it's sort of just like a racing deal. I mean, who can you really blame? But William was just minding his own business. His car gets destroyed, and now he has to go to the back of the field. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate how that happens. Uh, you know, um, he – like you said, he, he was running well and just like that through no fault of his own. Now he's got a backup car. Now he's at the back of the field to start out. Um, you know, he's, he's going to have an uphill battle. Yeah. It's a good backup car to have though. Bob Parker said it's the car he won with at Daytona last August. So Sean Rosansky, he's pretty fired up either way. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, and you know, the point that I've been making all week, especially at Daytona, I mean, obviously you don't want to start in the back, but it's such a long race and you're, he's still going to have a shot. I mean, at some point he's going to make his way to the front. I'm I'm sure he's going to be in contention at some point running in the top 10. 
Um, he, he's, it's just going to have to lay low for a while. And then when he gets a lucky break, he'll, he'll, he'll push his way up. Exactly. Now, when I look at the front row, his teammate, Alex Bowman, as far as I know, they still haven't changed the engine, <laughs> but he's on the pole for the Daytona 500. And this is just like 2018. You're taking over Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 88 car. Now you're taking over Jimmy Johnson's 48 car. And on top of that, this is a contract here for, for Alex Bowman. I mean, there's a lot of talk pressure, about on pressure to perform. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of pressure on him. And, and again, we, we talked about this last year when I think it was the week I was on was the week that they announced that he was going to be going to the 48 car. And again, it's, it's like you said, it's a contract year. So he has to do well and he has to impress or, you know, he could be on the outside looking in if they if they get a guy from Xfinity that they like um, that that does well. You know, he, maybe maybe they replace him with a, a guy from the Xfinity series. No, Gregson, I'm telling you, he has that Chase Briscoe kind of year. I'd be putting him in the 48 next year if I were Rick Hendrick. Yeah, that's definitely going to be not just today, but really the entire year, that's going to be worth monitoring. So right off the bat with him, major decision. Do you stick with that engine that you had issues with at the dual race to stay Mm -hmm. on the pull? Or, you know, do you play it safe and start in the back of the pack with with a backup car? They decided to, they felt this car is good enough We'll see if that decision pays off for them. That's definitely a risky move. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that plays out for the 48. And I was going to say, I mean, honestly, if I were Greg Ives and I were Chad Knauss, which is crazy in itself that he's no longer a crew chief, but, I mean, it's the Daytona 500, like I talked about yesterday. You only get one shot at it every single year. Don't Don't be cute. Just change the engine and have a shot to be there at the end instead of having to pack up early and go home. Exactly. Um, I, if it were me, I would be playing it safe. Um, but you know, they're, they think they're good enough. We'll see how that works out and they're going to start, you know, uh, in he's, he's the pole sitter. So, um, we'll see how that works out for them. Now, Boone talking about Alex Bowman, we have a lot of free agents after the 2021 season, just like we did last year. Yes. Alex Bowman is one of them. Eric Almirola, who won that first qualifying race on Thursday night, who arguably could have the fastest car in today's 500. I got to ask you, what did you think of that Kurt Busch video I sent you the other night? That was, uh, that was something. Um, you know, I think he, I want to say he later clarified and said that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be retiring because I think he said he wants to drive that new, that new next gen car. Yeah. It's just, he may not, he may or may not do it full time. So yeah, just on a part-time basis. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, how, how to read that. If, if he's actually going to retire or not, obviously it's on his mind. Um, so that's going to be something to, to, to watch, especially near the end of the year. And it depends on how his year goes. I mean, he may, if he bows out early, I mean, he he may want to try and come back just to, you know, have a better ending to his career. He may not want to go out on a bad note. 
So yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to believe that he only has one championship when you consider both him and Kyle how naturally talented both of them have have been. And, you know, the weird thing is him with Chip Ganassi, when he signed with them in 2019, he said right then and there that was going to be his final full-time season. But, you know, he came back for 2020, 2021. He's done a hell of a job with NASCAR on on that next-gen car. And I think that he definitely definitely wants to have a crack at it in 2022 in some capacity. And obviously, Ganassi, they have that connection with with Spire. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure that that could – be the cup races that he gets to run in 2022 if he doesn't want to do this full-time anymore yeah even if he goes part-time he's definitely going to run that car for next year's daytona 500 oh yeah oh yeah now another free agent and you knew at some point or another i was going to dive into this it's none other than brad keselowski and jeremy bolins must have been listening to me because sure enough he did make some changes to that pit crew I found out about that yet, or last week before the Super Bowl. But what I'm worried about as, as a Brad Keselowski fan, but just in general, it's that second-place jinx. And so far in speed weeks, spinning out, during the qual- or spinning out during the clash on Tuesday night and then the wreck on Thursday night and having to go to a backup car. But once again, a, a one-year extension for Brad Keselowski. This is like deja vu all over again, just like it was last year. Yeah, and – I just, I had a, the reason why, and I mean, we, I brought this up to you last night, a reason why I'm kind of, you know, not liking Brad to pull it off today, just the vibes of the whole week on the, the, the clash on Tuesday, the dual race on Thursday. And not only that, but it just seems like, here we go again with the, with the pit crew, he comes into pit. And he loses two or three spots. You know, yeah. he, they just they can't seem to to get it together on on when they come in on pit road. Um, they have slow uh, pit stops, so that's gonna that especially at Daytona, that's gonna come back to uh, to bite them if that happens again today. Exactly, and I'm not trying to be a sore loser. I mean, Chase Elliott did have a very very fast car, at Phoenix. But we know about that car that Brad took to Phoenix that he dominated New Hampshire and Richmond with. And the frustrating thing is every single pit stop in the championship race, you know, nowadays you're averaging 12 second pit stops. And here are this pit crew, they were barely averaging 15 second pit stops in a championship race. Yeah, that to me, that was the best car on the track. And, exactly. and that should have that that they they should have won. I mean, he had he had the car to win that race and yeah, the 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 pit stops is what cost him the championship. That absolutely. I agree. And he was faster than Chase Elliott at, at the end of that race too. But once again, the difference in pit stops, Chase his last pit stop was about a 12 second pit stop and Brad's was almost 16 seconds. And you do the math, and he loses that championship by about two and a half seconds. Yeah, I mean, even even despite the the pit stops, when you rewatch that race, Brad, you know, made up for the bad pit stops, uh, you know, on the time track. But it, it yeah. but it wasn't enough at the end to overcome uh, Chase Elliott. Exactly. That's going to haunt me for a long time to come. Man. <laughs> uh. This is like. It's like 
the Steelers when they lost the Green Bay, or in my dad's case, when they lost to the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> it's one you're never going to forget for a long time. I'm never, I'm personally never going to forget Donovan McNabb throwing up in the Super Bowl, literally. Yeah. Well, I don't think T.O. has forgotten either. <laughs> no, they, he still brings that up to this day. He still brings that up. years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, Looking at some of these other free agents, obviously for today's Daytona 500, we can't help but forget about last year with Ryan Newman. And really, for me, Boone, and the amazing thing is, um, well, not amazing, but for me that night, it immediately took me back to 2001. Just that vibe that it had when just the broadcast and how long it was taken for them to get Newman out of the car and everything, honest to God. I thought the absolute worst. I really, really did. Oh, so did I. I, I mean, I think, you know, everybody that, that watched it and you look at people posting stuff online, I mean, just about everybody assumed the worst happened. And, you know, myself, I'm thinking there's no way, there's no way he survives this. I mean, you hate to, you hate to speak in those terms, but that's what we felt. That was like. the reality of it. That's yeah. what we felt like because it looked 10 times worse than Earnhardt's crash. Exactly. And so it's, it's a miracle that not only, you know, did he make it, but I mean, he walked out with no broken bones. I mean, you know, he was, he was in a race car and what a, a month or two after that, I think three months yeah yeah we had sure a break enough. with the pandemic so that was part of it but i mean he later that year he was back in the race car yeah and the amazing thing is i mean he did suffer a concussion as far as i know but like you said because of the pandemic he only missed a grand total of three races now the reason i bring up ryan newman we're talking about free agents and everything this is ryan newman's 20th full-time season obviously there was going to be, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines with today's Daytona 500. Do you think that Ryan Newman retires after this year? It is a, it is a strong likelihood. I mean, I mean, I don't know, you know, his intentions. Uh, so, you know, it's just pure speculation on my end, but I, I, I would say that, you know, it's a better than 50% chance that, that, that we, this could be his final full year. I agree. It, it definitely definitely has that feeling to it. And I think more than anything, I think just he wanted to get back in that race car. And I remember me, Josh, Timmy, and Dale Kibler, we all talked about it just days afterwards that that crash in the Daytona 500, that is not the way that Ryan Newman wanted to go out as far as career ending. And I think he, he will definitely be a factor today. I mean, he's starting seventh. He was great on Thursday night. But I think what an amazing story that would be if, if he somehow was managed to pull this off. Oh, it would be um, incredible. And I mean, it would be a very, it would be one of those, there's, there's a ton of feel good stories that could happen today. That's definitely one of them. There, there wouldn't be a dry eye in the house for sure. No. Yeah. Now Austin Sendrick, the defending Xfinity series champion, he did win the Xfinity race last night. What a crazy race that, that was, was like we were talking about before we went on air. Matt Benedetto in the 21 car, it's already been known he won't be back in that car next year. Austin will be taking it over, and he's making his Daytona 500 debut today. Just your thoughts real quick. I know how bummed out you were for your boy, Justin Haley. I mean, it was, it was, a, brutal, it was a brutal night for both of us. I mean, you with Justin Haley, 
my case, all four junior motorsports cars getting getting taken out. <laughs> it was just such a, a crazy race last night. It was. Yeah. Um. Now, what team is Cindric racing for for today? Like what? Um. Penske. Penske. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, he he's incredible. I mean, you know, even though I didn't pick him. Um, you know, I, I followed him in several Xfinity races last year. Cindric, uh, he's one of these young guys that's that's an up and comer, and I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see how he does, and you know, he's got a good shot. And he finally got rid of that narrative that he can only win on road courses. He won last year on mile and a half, a short track like Phoenix when the championship was on the line, and now <clears throat> finally given Roger Penske his first Xfinity win at Daytona when. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Ryan Blaney, they were never able to pull that off. That's pretty mind-boggling to think about, especially with how good those three guys are at Daytona. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it's it's funny. We went from talking about Ryan Newman and him possibly retiring to Austin Sindrick. I mean, that's, that's the other thing that I think could play a factor with Newman is, you know, unfortunately, he's getting older, and we got a lot of promising young up-and-coming guys like Cindric, for example. Um, that that could play into Newman's decision here. Yeah, 43 years old. And let's not forget, Brad Keselowski, he just turned 37 this past Friday, and a one-year deal. And that's what I'm kind of worried about. What I was worried about last year more than anything, I was hoping that Brad was not going to get that Matt Kenseth treatment that he got at joe gibbs racing where you're the elder statesman you have these new up-and-coming guys like what happened with eric jones matt gets pushed out the door for for eric jones and here we are four years later eric jones is now driving for richard petty yeah um it's it's just uh that's an interesting point and so like with ryan newman you know there's only so much you know, time left to, to make an impact to, you know, get a championship. It's just only going to get tougher and tougher. Exactly. And I'm looking at the lineup for today's Daytona 500. Like you said, there's so many feel good stories that we could have. Yes. And Eric Almirola, how about that? When he gave a little dig at Clint Boyer, because he's from Tampa (laughs) (laughs) and and Boyer's from Kansas. And he said, yeah, all good. good I remember that right now. Oh, that was like funny. Said, yeah. and, uh, but again, Boyer <laughs> took it in stride. I mean, he, he yeah. took it and yeah, I mean, you know, he, he was, he was very graceful about it. I, I so far it, it's early yet, but I love Clint Boyer in the booth. I really do. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. So like I said, Eric Almirola, he has a contract here. Brad Keselowski has a contract here. I've, I've been saying for a while, if for some reason, Roger Penske decides to not renew Brad Keselowski, which is crazy because he's been there almost 12 years. Me personally, I feel like that would be a good fit for Brad Keselowski in 2022 would be Stuart Haas racing him, Kevin Harvick. I know Kevin's getting towards the end of his career, Colt Custer, but also tell us your new favorite driver, Chase Briscoe. Yes. uh, I'm excited for him this year. Um, Cause I mean, he, he dominated, he didn't just, you know, do well. He dominated Xfinity last year. Now I know he didn't win the championship, but the whole entire year he was consistent and he was a threat. And I mean, there were, uh, especially that one race where he beat none other than Kyle Bush. 
um, in that race. I mean, he didn't just, you know, hang with him. I mean, he, he gave him, uh, I mean, he beat him. So I'm excited for him this year. And uh, I I don't think he's your typical rookie. I think, you know, maybe he doesn't do that well today. I, I don't have high hopes for him to, you know, actually, you know, finish top five necessarily today. But I think at some point this year, he's going to make an impact. And I think he's going to win a race or two. He's got a lot of good tracks coming up already this year. Now, the Daytona Road Course, we talk about Austin Sendrick. He did lead a good portion of that race last year before getting wrecked. But we're going to Miami in two weeks. He is phenomenal at Miami. Him, Larson, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, all these dirt guys that ability that they have to run right up against the very fence at Miami and be fast. And let's not forget, I know, I know you're pumped about this. Timmy Bevan is pumped about this. March 28th, we're going to Bristol, but there's going to be dirt. I I am very excited for that race. And I mean, usually, you know, not, not to channel um, Skip Bayless here, but (laughs) with NASCAR, you know, obviously you look forward to the Daytona 500. And, you know, being a local guy up here, we look forward to Pocono because that's in our backyard. Yes. Um, but, I mean, outside of, of those races on the schedule, that's the date I have circled personally is is the Bristol Dirt Race. It, we've never seen these guys in the NASCAR series race on dirt. And that's going to be exciting to see how that plays out and to see, um, you know, who's better than who. Yeah, I was going to say – the truck series, they went to Eldora for a number of years. That got canceled last year because of COVID. And now this year, going to Knoxville, like we talked about, I think I think Haley Deegan could surprise a lot of people there. She looked fantastic but, on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was unfortunate what happened to her towards the end of the race. But the Cup Series themselves, they have not done a race on dirt since 1970. Yeah, so um, this is definitely going to be new uh, for a lot of people, and obviously all the drivers now, um, you know, have never done a, a cup race in dirt. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's going to be. Uh, I'm hope I'm I'm hoping that it's an epic race. I mean, that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, I hope so too. And like I said, honestly, I look at those guys with a dirt background, like Briscoe, Larson, Christopher Bell, even Austin Dillon, Austin Anti, both of them. They are very, very underrated when it comes to dirt. As a matter of fact, Austin won the very first truck race at Eldora. I just realized something else, Boone. You want to know who else won a truck race at Eldora? Who's that now? Bubba Wallace. Oh, really? Yeah, when he was driving for Kyle Busch. Wow. So that's that's going to be a name to keep in mind at Bristol then. And he beat Kyle Larson, of all people, in that truck race, who knocked the wall down about 100 times trying to catch him. Wow. That's, yeah. yeah, you'll have to you'll have to watch the, the video of it later on. It was an incredible race. Absolutely. Incredible. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So <clears throat> we talked about Brad Keselowski and the struggles. Well, the struggles on pit road in that championship race and how it just seems like sort of the bad luck is carried over throughout speed weeks, at least so far. But the other one I'm curious about is Kevin Harvick. Kevin, he won nine races last year, but he didn't make it to the final four. He's 45 years old. He's got two years left on that contract. And, you know, Boyer, during practice on Wednesday, he said that, you know, they dominated short tracks and mile and a half. 
And he said, really, that was a, a weakness for Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers last year. So, you know, do you th- – I mean, honestly, I feel like Kevin could definitely get back to the Final Four, but what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's got to be crushing not to make it there because, I mean, at one point – he was the heavy consensus favorite to to win the championship, but I mean, he was yeah. he wasn't just winning races. I mean, he was dominating uh, the whole entire year. It was basically it was mainly him and Denny Hamlin, uh, you yeah. know. And even even though Denny won all these races last year, um, it, people were still saying it was Kevin Harvick's year. It was his to lose, and he didn't even make the final four. So that yeah. was that was wild, um, and that's got to be disappointing for him. But to answer your question, uh, he's definitely going to be in the mix again this year, and I think he's definitely going to win at least four or five races. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't see him winning nine races. No, this he, year. I mean, he's going to at least win a handful. Yeah, yeah, I definitely four or five. Yeah. Denny, I don't. Yeah, Danny, I don't see seven, but like I said, I, I see him winning a bulk of races this year. The one thing I wanted to ask you, though, and I, I had it in the outline, he's been doing this for 16 years now. He's never won that championship, and now he's a car owner. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. said on his podcast this past Tuesday that he remembers how much how much of a distraction it was for his dad when Dale Earnhardt Incorporated started in 1998 as a cup team. So do you feel like that could maybe hinder Denny's performance a little bit this year? It's definitely a possibility um, because, you know, his his mindset during the week, it's not just simply going to be on himself. It's Mm -hmm. also going to be on Bubba Wallace. Um, You know, so that could definitely – hinder his performance a little bit, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're still getting in a race car. You're still racing for yourself. Um, I mean, obviously he wants to see Bubba succeed and he has interest in Bubba's success. Um, But I mean, it was kind of like Jeff Gordon at one point, I think, um, didn't he have ownership interest in uh, Jimmy Johnson for a little while there? Yeah, he was listed, actually listed as the owner of the 48 car. I don't know if it's still that way today because of the the charter system. But as a matter of fact, Rick Hendrick, he said back in the winter of 2018, when that day comes that he is finally ready to step down and retire for good, it'll be Jeff Gordon running Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, and Jeff at one point, the reason why I bring that up, um, Jeff at one point brought up that, you know, hey, just because – you know, he's my teammate just because, you know, we have this relationship. That doesn't mean that I'm just going to let him win. I'm still trying to win for me. I was just going to say, I remember back in 2010 in the midst of the Jimmy Johnson dominance and Jeff at this point, it had been nine years since he had won a championship. And the thing is, we all know about how dominant he was the late '90s, early 2000s. Yes. As a matter of fact, you know, you were you were a big fan of Jeff Gordon growing yes, up, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it was probably a good thing we didn't know each other back then. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> you with Jeff Gordon and me with Dale Earnhardt. But anyway, my point is, he had not won a championship since 2001. The 48 team starts with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss. 
they let the 48 team share the 24 shot and they gave Jimmy a lot of those cars that Jeff won his championship with in 2001. And, you know, he doesn't win any championships. He goes through the back injuries, 2008, 2009, Jimmy wins four in a row. And it finally spills over at Texas. The two of them body slam into each other while they're battling for the lead. And Jeff comes over the radio and says, oh, four times a little upset. You know, he expects everyone to treat him differently. I, you know, I, I, I remember that. And I, I was going to say five-timer, but I, I remember there was a little yeah. uh, fiasco there where Jeff uh, called him out and was calling out, you know, the number of championships he had. Um, yeah. So, I mean, definitely in the heat of that moment when, when they wrecked, I mean, there's obviously some frustration and, you know, that's the thing. I mean, Jeff still had, you know, a legendary career, but it does make you wonder, and especially me being a Jeff Gordon fan, it makes you wonder if Jimmy Johnson wasn't in the picture or if they didn't cater to him, so to speak, could Jeff have won another championship or two? Oh, without a doubt. And me being such a big Earnhardt fan and obviously the connection that both of us have is Steve Letarte, how Steve, how he spent five years with Jeff, and then he spent four seasons with Dale Jr. And Steve said what made the difference in 2007 when, when Jeff and Jimmy, when they dominated that season, the two of them combined won 16 races. When they got to the playoffs, Chad stopped sharing notes and setups and information and sure enough, Jimmy goes on to win four races in a row and beats Jeff for the championship, even though he won six races and had 30 top 10 finishes that year. And Steve said that those were some hard, hard lessons that he had to learn those last 10 weeks of the season. Yeah, that's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sure is. You wonder, I mean. Jimmy won seven championships. Dale Earnhardt won seven. Richard Petty won seven. It's kind of ironic we're talking about this since Tom Brady just won his seven. Yeah. It, it definitely blows my mind that Jeff Gordon didn't win seven championships. Yeah, I mean, especially because uh, most of his championships came very early in his career. Um, yes. The, the, the back end of his career, um, I mean, he had great seasons. He had seasons where he was always a threat to win the race. And, you know, he, he, he had a ton of top fives. I mean, every time you turn around, you know, he's finishing in the top five or, you know, he's, he's actually winning the race. He won a lot of races, but he just did not put it all together to win that next championship. I mean, he had a lot yeah. of Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin like seasons where he dominated, but just didn't put everything together at the, at the right time to bring in that championship. Yeah. And another big storyline in talking about Jeff Gordon, his last crew chief, Alan Gustafson. Alan, last year, it was his 16th season as a crew chief, and he finally wins the championship with Chase Elliott. Now, I'm going to take a, I'm going to go through the schedule really, really quick. So obviously today we have the Daytona 500. Next week, we have the Daytona road course taking the place of auto club speedway out in Fontana. Mm -hmm. And then we go to Miami to end February. And then March, we've got Las Vegas, Phoenix, Atlanta, the dirt race of Bristol. Yes. And then we have the weekend off for Easter. And then 
just real quick going through the schedule for everyone listening. So April 10th, we got the first Saturday night race of the year at Martinsville. Then we got Richmond, Talladega. What else can you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we go to Kansas on Kyle Busch's birthday. Mother's Day, they're racing at Darlington. I'm thrilled that Darlington has two races again this year. That, that's, that's been long, long overdue. May 16th, Dover. Sadly, that's their only race of the year. Yeah, that's May 23rd, sad. Yeah, Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, which Formula One and IndyCar has raced on a bunch the last few years. May 30th, the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte the night before Memorial Day. June 6th, my favorite racetrack, Sonoma. <laughs> That's going to be and a good then, one. Yeah. And then Father's Day, we go to Nashville Super Speedway. That's new to the schedule this year. And then the end of June, buddy. Yes. Home sweet home. Pocono, June 26th and 27th. Fourth of July, Road America. It's about a, an hour or so from Milwaukee. I'm absolutely thrilled about that. I love that racetrack. <laughs> It's it's a beautiful four mile road course, plenty of action there with Xfinity and Indy cars. And then July eleventh is Atlanta, July eighteenth, New Hampshire. Then we got that two week break for the Olympics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed the gap here in the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Originally that was supposed to be this past year. Right. You know, with the summer Olympics always being being a leap year, but with COVID and everything, they just pushed it back to, to this year. Jake, just real quick, have they always had a break for the Olympics? No, not really. It's just the fact that this is the NBC portion of the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense NBC, then. Okay. Yeah. All NBC, right. NBC yeah, NBC takes over June twentieth at Nashville. That's their first race of the year. Okay. So, yeah, so after the two-week break, we've got plenty of road courses back up to Watkins Glen on August 8th after that was canceled last year. Mm-hmm. Then August 15th, we're going to Indianapolis, but it's the infield road course. Ooh. And Chase, Chase Briscoe won that race last year, dude, in Xfinity. That's good to know. <laughs> that was, that was, an, it was an incredible race. Him, Cindric, A.J. Allmendinger, Gregson, it was on the 4th of July. It was Oh my God, man. It was, it was so much fun to watch. So then August 22nd, the only race of the year at Michigan, which is big when you consider that that's Ford and Chevrolet's backyard. And then the regular season finale at Daytona, once again, August 28th. So here we go, buddy. The playoff schedule. Yes. Round of 16, September 5th, the Southern 500 at Darlington. And then, this is undoubtedly going to be a very, very emotional night. September 11th, Richmond. Oh, wow. 20 years, buddy. Can you believe that's, it? That's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind. I don't know what kind of capacity there will be as far as a crowd that night, but I cannot even imagine what that pre-race is going to be like. I'm I'm hoping by then, and I mean, you know, obviously yeah. this is a, another topic for another time, but I'm I'm definitely mm-hmm. hoping by then that, you know, we we're we're back to full capacity in the stands. But, you know, yeah. if it obviously if it's safe. Exactly. Now, Steve Phelps, the president of NASCAR, he did say on Friday, sort of like a like a State of the Union address. He did say, you know, for today and these first few races it's anywhere from about 20 to 30% capacity. And he said, it's probably going to be that way a majority of the year. He said, obviously they'll monitor 
COVID as the year goes on, but he said as far as a full capacity, that probably won't be until 2022 at the earliest. Yeah. And that's, that, that's probably a safe expectation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I, a large part of it has to do with the vaccine rollout, um, which, which is, you know, I mean, I think it's going a little slower than, than, than you would like, but, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can, of course. And I think that's, that's a good expectation to not have, yeah. not plan on full capacity until next year. Yeah. And several racetracks, they have been willing to give vaccines to people. And as a matter of fact, Rick Hendrick, he's 71 and he battled leukemia in the late nineties and he's at the Daytona 500 today, but he did say that he did get vaccinated so he could be there. That that's good. Yeah, that's really yeah. really good. So getting back getting back to the schedule, yes. the round of sixteen will conclude on September eighteenth with one of my favorites, man, the night race at Bristol. Yeah, that's um. So they're sure. they're on the dirt in March at Bristol, and then September eighteenth mm-hmm. is the Bristol night race. That's going to be awesome. The Bristol race, yes, sir. So then the round of 12, September 26th, Las Vegas, that's sort of like a Sunday night race. And that was sort of <laughs> that was sort of when you noticed Dale Jr. just talking nonstop about Alex Bowman was the Las Vegas race last year. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember I had the race on and you were watching Sunday night football it was the Saints and the Packers and it was halftime and you put the race on and, and you're like, oh my God. Dale Jr. must think that Bowman's the only car out on the racetrack. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I, I, I was not going to lie. I was more into the football game that night. But then when I did put the yeah. race on at, at halftime, because, I, I, I mean, obviously I wanted to see how, you know, Brad was doing and and, and all that. Mm-hmm. That's It's like everything was all about Alex Bowman. And, I mean, he was having a good night, but it wasn't like he was running away no. from the field. No, I mean <laughs> – I do think Alex Bowman is, is a, is a good driver. I just think, you know, he, he gets overhyped and talked about like he's a superstar and he's not. Exactly. I mean, he, he did do a very, very consistent job last year. I mean, especially in the playoffs, I never imagined in a million years that he would make it all the way to the round of eight. So he did do a really good job, but that's the thing. He only has two wins to his name and every, everybody's hyping him up. Like, like he's the second coming. Yeah. He's, you know, he's going to have that criticism similar to what Chase Elliott had prior to late last year, where, you know, it's like, okay, everybody's hyping you up, but what have you really done so far? And, and I hate to say it. Sorry. That's good. But like with Chase Elliott, you know, the criticism for the, for the longest time was very fair. It's like, well, you know, okay, yeah. you, you've come so close, you're racing well, but you've never broken through and win consistently. And Chase Elliott, you know, he, he broke through last year, started getting some wins, and he got hot at the right time and brought home yeah. the championship. So, you know, he kind of put the doubters to, to rest on that, you know, but now – can can Bowman do that? And that's to be determined. And another one too. I mean, while we're talking about Hendrick Motorsports and talking about having to live up to that hype, what about William Byron? Yeah, he's another one. I mean, yeah. you know, you really don't hear him mentioned all that much um, in the final, you know, 
closing laps of races. You really don't hear him much yeah. as as that contender. Um, he's another one that, uh, you know, has a lot of people doubting him, and he's got to um, continue to he's got to impress, or he could be, you know, down the road he could be on the outside looking in. No matter how many sponsors you might right. have, honestly, right, and. And, of course, we can't forget about – while we're talking about Hendrick, we can't forget about Kyle Larson. I mean, talk about one of the, undoubtedly one of the biggest stories for sure in both a good way and a bad way. Yeah, he's back full-time this year for Hendrick. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he, he does. Obviously, he's a very talented driver. Um, you know, yeah. no doubt at some point, um, you know, he, he's definitely going to be in contention for a couple wins, I, I would say. Um, we'll see how, we'll see how he does for the year. Yeah. Bristol dirt race in Miami. I'm definitely going to keep my eye on him. As far as my expectations for him, I'm, I'm saying possibly round of eight, possibly round of eight. Yeah. He's definitely, I definitely think he'll make the playoffs and he's definitely, um, going to be a threat. Um, round of 12, round of eight, somewhere in there, I think is, is, is fair expectations for him for sure. So, getting back to the schedule, October 3rd, we're going to Talladega. <laughs> Buckle oh, up. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. And then on October 10th, Dale Jr.'s birthday, they're racing at home, the Charlotte Roval. That's going to be, and, you know, it's crazy to me how the Charlotte Roval is not only in the playoff schedule, but it's the final race of the round of 12. Yeah. I mean, that's. It, it, we we said it last year, and it's going to be obviously the same case again this year. If you want to make it to the round of eight, your best bet is to win at either Vegas or Talladega, so you don't have to worry about the role. Yeah, like like Ricky on Trailer Park Boys would say, survival of the fitness, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Talladega and the Roval. I mean, if you were to look up unpredictable in the dictionary, you would definitely see pictures of those two tracks. Especially, I mean, hopefully this year, it's not raining cats and dogs at the Roval like last year. I mean, they were, oh, I mean, yeah. forget, forget driving. I mean, those cars were practically, it's like they were racing underwater in that race. And A.J. Allmendinger, as phenomenal as he is at road course racing, he even said that, he had a hard time seeing it as he was driving through the infield. That was that. Uh, well, we had a hard time watching them. I mean, you know, it was. Th- yeah. Wasn't there some fog as well? I mean, it was hard to see these cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was crazy, man. And then even the next day, when it was you, me, and Sean at Riverside, it didn't rain as much, but it still made for a pretty chaotic. Oh, uh, it day. was absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so the round of eight. The day after my birthday is Texas Motor Speedway, then Kansas on October 24th, and then the ultimate cutoff race, Martinsville Speedway on Halloween. Oh, wow. October 31st. Yeah. October 31st. This is the first time since 2010 that NASCAR is going to be racing on Halloween. Well, that's going to be, that's going to be incredible. (laughs) Hey, real quick, you're going to love this. Who won the last? NASCAR Cup Series race on Halloween. And this is, you're, you're saying 2010 is when this was. Yeah, 2010. I'm just going to throw a, a complete guess out there. I'm just going to say Jimmy Johnson. Clint oh, Boyer. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. He's going to have fun with that this year. Clint Boyer. 
Unfortunately, he won't he won't be announcing on Halloween this year though. That's that's NBC. Hey. Hey, you know what though? Who knows? Maybe someone might <laughs> might enter a car for him in that oh, race. My you goodness. never know. <laughs> he was always really good at Martinsville. Him and Jeff Gordon, both of them. I mean, that was where Jeff got his last one in 2015. He won there nine times. And I'm sure you probably remember when he filled in for Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2016. The very last race of his career, he finished sixth at Martinsville. Wow. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And what's even more incredible is you're bound to get in wrecks. You're bound to break parts there. And Jeff Gordon never failed to finish a race at Martinsville ever. And that's 23 years of racing. There. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, along with the road courses and, you know, I mean, winning nine road course races, who knows, maybe Chase Elliott's probably going to break that record this year. But And then ultimately, Boone, the championship four, once again, Phoenix, November 7th. That was, it, it was an incredible race last year, um, finale at Phoenix. And I, I think, you know, it's not going to disappoint again this year. I think it's going to be another fantastic uh, way to finish off the season and crown a champion. Yeah, I love Phoenix. So, Alan Gustafson, like I said, all those years working with Jeff Gordon and working with Chase Elliott since he became a rookie in 2016, we just went through the schedule. We've got seven road course races. Is this the next dynasty? It very well could be. Um, you know, Chase Elliott is considered right now the favorite to win the championship again this year. And for very good reason, because of the road course additions, that's going to give him, that's going to cement his playoff stature once again. And, you know, we're, we're at the similar tracks. The, the schedule is very similar to last year where, you know, he dominated a lot of these races. So um, I definitely see the case for Chase to um, win a second championship. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that same way, too. I mean, he's always been really, really good at Martinsville and all of these road courses and even Phoenix. You know, Phoenix, I remember early on in Chase's career because I was actually considering him to be my driver, <laughs> you know, around 2017. But I can remember at Phoenix, he dominated that race in the spring of 2017. Just things didn't go his way. And then even when they got back there in November, he came that close to winning and making it to the final four. And he definitely benefits having the finale at Phoenix more so than Miami. Miami, he's always been sort of hit and miss there. Yeah. Um, and I think Miami, I mean, they only have the spring race, right? I don't think they're – yeah. So yeah. Um, they're not at Miami Homestead for the finale like they were in prior years. Um, but, I yeah, mean, 17 Phoenix years. is a good track. And, I mean, you know, it's – you know, anybody can take it. I mean, anybody that's left in that final four – they're all going to have a, a realistic shot to win. And, um, you know, I think it's, it sets up well for anybody. I mean, we talked earlier how um, Brad Kozlowski, not, I don't want to bring, you know, up a sore subject again for you, but he really could have won that race too. Um, you know, he had the talent to win. Um, we, we know the importance now of pit strategy and having a good, mm -hmm. a reliable uh, pit, crew pit crew and all that. So, if, if you have a solid pit crew and you're in that final four, you got a shot at Phoenix. Yeah, just don't have any bears in that oh, no, race. Not, especially <laughs> celebrating the Xfinity Championship. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and that's the thing. I was so impressed with the job that him and Jeremy Bolins did last year because honestly, Boone going into last year and it was a contract year, and him and Paul Wolf, him and Paul, they were together. And this time I'm going to tie Kyle Busch into this, but him and Paul Wolf, they were together for nine seasons at Team Penske. They finally gave Roger that cup championship in 2012 that he had been waiting decades and decades for. They won the Southern 500. They won the Brickyard 400. And when I became a fan of Brad in 2018, the problem was it seemed like him and Paul, they would always sort of fall apart in the round of 12. And 2019, they go to Kansas, the same track that they had won at in May, the same car they had won with in May. And they finished 20th and they get knocked out of the round of 12. And to me at that point, uh, I've heard some rumblings here and there, but that kind of soured their relationship the last few weeks of the 2019 season. And so anyway, make a long story short, when Brad, when Penske announced all of these changes going into 2020 and he paired Brad with Jeremy Bolins and Ryan Blaney's pick room, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a lot of season. It's a contract season. He, he's going to be out of Penske before you know it. They are a very, very gritty duo. And, I mean, they even showed it yesterday in a backup car. The little time that they had on track, they were the fastest on, on the track. So, Brad and Jeremy, I think that they, they definitely have a level of mental toughness. But, like I said, man, that second-place jinx, I, to me, I want him to get to the Final Four. I want him – to win that championship, but something just tells me that they'll they'll barely miss out on the final four. Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to have a tough uh, battle. Um, I mean, you got several guys that are more than capable of winning a championship. You know, he's going up yeah. against Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, uh, Harvick, um, and, and I mean, there's a couple other guys. Larson now, um, you can make an argument for him that if he catches fire at the right time, he's going to be in the mix. Um, you know, there, there's, there's going to be a lot of, uh, competition and you can't forget about the Bush brothers. And I was just going to say, you can't forget about his own two teammates too, Joey Logano and Blaney. Right. I mean, Blaney is definitely going to be a factor in the playoffs. Um, because, I mean, at some mm-hmm. point, you know, you, you, it could even be today. Blaney gets a, a, a win to start off the year. He He's very capable of getting a win here at Daytona. So he's going to. He's got a tough road ahead of him to get back there and combine that with the second place hangover. And, you know, you got to be leery if you're a a Brad uh, backer. Yeah, for sure. And Josh Manley, he even said a few weeks ago on his podcast, he said at this point, he wouldn't even be surprised if this is the only 2012, if that's the only championship that Brad ends up winning. I think the whole thing with the Daytona 500 is, Daryl Waltrip said this a few years ago before he retired. He said, Brad, honestly, Brad is probably the deepest thinker that there is in the sport. And Daryl said that sometimes he feels like Brad may sort of overanalyze the Daytona 500 and probably get a little too tense. And that's probably why he hasn't won that Daytona 500 yet. I mean, it's the theory is what it is. But like I said, it just blows my mind how you learn from Dale Earnhardt Jr., you win the 400, you win five times at Talladega, and it just seems like none of that luck has ever been able to transfer over to the 500. Well, and I mean, I'm not I'm not comparing Keselowski to Dale Earnhardt Sr., but 
look how many times mm-hmm. Dale Earnhardt didn't win the Daytona 500. Um, and, and look how great he Kyle was. Busch as well. Yeah. So I, I was going to say Kyle is, it's a tough, it, it's a ahead. tough track to win at um, where, you know, you could be clearly, you could be one of the best drivers out there. And at the end of the day, you, you don't walk away with a win. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's incredible. The names, the superstar names, that either didn't win at Daytona or it took them forever to finally win at Daytona. Uh, and Brad is one of those guys that, you know, he's a hell of a driver, but for whatever reason, luck just isn't on his side at this track. I was going to say, I, I look at Kyle as well. Kyle has been doing this for 16 years now. He still hasn't won a Daytona 500. His brother, it took his brother 16 years to win the Daytona 500. And you talk about Tony Stewart and what an amazing job he did last night. To me, Tony Stewart, without a doubt, the greatest driver that never won a Daytona 500. Absolutely. And, and you know, he's a guy that, you know, Tony Stewart's a guy that you got to watch out for every single race, no matter what kind of track it is. He's going to be – he was always a threat to win that race. Um, so it's, yeah. it's mind-blowing yeah. that Tony Stewart didn't win a Daytona 500. Yeah, but go figure. Once he finally retires, he wins it as an owner with Kurt Busch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Michael Andretti. Michael tried for years and years and years to win the Indy 500, couldn't win as a driver, but he retires, and sure enough, his first try as an owner, he wins. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So talking about the Bush brothers, I don't know if you saw or heard about it, but Kyle Bush, I I love. Uh, Graham Bensinger. Graham does really, really good interviews. He did one with Dale Jr., Brad, Kevin Harvick. My favorite was Mike Tyson. (laughs) When he told, when Mike Tyson told him the story about his first fight and how it was over a pigeon, I I was laughing hysterically, dude. But uh, Kyle Busch was on Graham Bensinger's show. It actually aired last night on CBS. I missed it. And I, I, luckily I DVR'd it, but Kyle, one of the biggest storylines going into this season and today is him and Adam Stevens. They split up after six seasons together and two championships. Adam is now working with Christopher Bell, and he took that whole pit crew over to Christopher's team. Almost kind of like what happened with, with Jeremy Bollins and Paul Wolf. You know, Paul took Brad's whole pit crew with, with him over to Joey Logano. Anyway, Kyle said that he wanted to make some changes to the pit crew after the horrible season that he had last year. And Adam didn't agree with it. And Adam basically told him, he said, well, he said, if you feel that way, I feel like I should just, just go do something else. So he said that he feels like Adam Stevens quit on him. Wow. Yeah. And Kyle, to me, he's undoubtedly the most naturally talented driver in the sport, in my opinion. But as we know, that attitude is so abrasive. And the lifespan of crew chiefs, driver-crew chief combinations, Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss, they were together for 16 years. But obviously, it sort of ran its course towards the end. With Kyle, this is this match, Dave Rogers. Him and Dave, they worked together for five years. That's the longest Kyle has ever worked with a crew chief is five years. Wow. Yeah. So Ben, Ben B shore, that's 
Kyle's new crew chief, and he pretty much has the the 20 pit crew that Eric Jones had last year. So Kurt Busch even said it himself, because of the lack of practice and qualifying this year, you know, Kyle felt like that was the reason that they struggled so much last year. And this year we're only going to have six or seven races that have qualifying. So like you said, man, I'm sure he'll maybe win a couple of races here and there, but I don't think he's going to be the usual Kyle Busch that we expect. Yeah. You, you never know. Um, I mean, he, he has two championships, right? So yeah. he, he's a guy that you can never count out. Um, I mean, if, I if they can get chemistry, you, you, you just, you never know. And I think he, he could very well be a threat this year. I mean, he, he finally won last year and he won, he won the, the class race this year. He, he won on Tuesday night. Yeah. So, you know, he, he had a race near the end of the year. Ironically, it was after he got eliminated from the playoffs is when he finally won, um, you know, kind mm-hmm. of bad timing on, uh, on that. And, but he just, he won there and then he just got a win on Tuesday night at the Bush clash. So yeah, I think he's a guy you can't uh, count out. And I think he could very well be a threat this year. Absolutely. And he even did a great job on Thursday night, in the qualifying race. He was the one that helped Bubba out the most when you think of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, two Toyota cars, uh, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Gibbs cars Joe Gibbs. Uh, teaming yeah. up there. I think definitely, you know, we, we talked about Denny Hamlin teaming up with Bubba. Um, I'm, I would not be surprised if Bubba and Kyle Busch link up to help each other out today. Kyle Busch Motorsports. Yeah. Bubba drove for them for a few years. So keeping in the Gibbs family, Martin Truex Jr., he's going to turn 41 this year. Him and Denny, they came in a sport at the same time in 2006. Wow. Martin, Martin only signed a one-year extension for 2022 and you know we remember it was right around christmas time when the news came out about his girlfriend sherry pollock's her cancer unfortunately returned but thankfully i mean she's she's an inspiration she she's been able to kick cancer's ass time and time again i'm beginning to wonder there was that rumor going around that crazy rumor that truex was going to retire in the middle of the off season but that Luckily, didn't gain any legs to it. But I, I'm starting to wonder if 2022 is going to be his last year when you consider all the young talent Gibbs has with Harrison Burton, for instance, or Bubba, or even even Ty Dillon, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Ryan Newman, it's the same deal here with Martin Truex. I mean, you got, there's a lot of up-and-coming prospects that are going to eventually want to graduate to the Cup Series from Xfinity. And that's going to, I think, further push out guys like Ryan Newman and Martin Truex, even Kevin Harvick. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, I mean, I, th- I think Brad's still got a couple of years, but, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are getting older, and eventually they're going to be getting phased out for these younger guys. Yeah, there was a rumor going around last year. It was the day before the Super Bowl with, with Kansas City and San Francisco. There was a rumor that was going around that Brad Keselowski was going to retire after 2020. And just days before the season got shut down, Brad said, there is absolutely no truth to that whatsoever. I want to race for at least another 10 years. He cert- I mean, he's certainly on top of his game. And, I mean, he proved that last year by almost winning another uh, a championship. I mean, he was, you know, that close to to winning. So, I mean, he's still on top of his game. So, 
I certainly think you got at least another couple of good years uh, out of Brad to look forward to. Yeah, just just hopefully one day Tona 500. <laughs> Maybe it's today. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Today, tonight, who knows? Hey, it makes me think of Chris Russo. One time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> just one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, picture of him and him and Mike Francesa were calling this race today. <laughs> you got a lot of good drivers out there, okay? <laughs> Only one of them can win, okay? <laughs> Get lost back after this. Yeah. Dude, that's that's the way they would go into every commercial break. Back after this. <laughs> but man that would be absolutely incredible and and chris russo i can only imagine i'm sure the fcc would be cringing if he was calling a nascar oh my word i mean (laughs) that's the thing i mean he he can go he i mean they call it mad dog unleashed but i mean he he can really be unleashed on serious he doesn't have to watch his mouth on there i mean he doesn't really he really doesn't curse all that much uh but I mean, you know, when he gets fired up, you know, he, 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 oh, it's there's, great. there's like about 20 goddams in there. <laughs> Reminds me of the late great LA Tyrone, man. I, I could see the resemblance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, talking about legacies, at noon on ESPN, they are going to have a, a special on Dale Earnhardt. And this Thursday, it's not only, ironically, this coming Thursday is your birthday, yeah. actually. But also this Thursday, 20 years. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. And, you know, like I, I told you before, the, the crazy thing was, you know, it was my birthday, obviously, when it when it happened. And I was coming out of basketball practice. And, you know, my, my dad had the radio on and he says, why do you hear this? And, and I'm like, what? And he's like, just listen to this. And you know, it was, they were on the radio talking about the crash. Yeah. For me, I was 11 years old. And the weird thing is sometimes you just get these, these weird feelings. And I remember waking up that day and it was a sunny day. And I remember looking outside and I just got this weird feeling like something bad's going to happen today. It was like the freakiest thing ever. But my dad and I, we went to Pocono Medical Center to visit my grandmother. She was not doing well whatsoever. And we saw the crash. And you see the crash on TV and you're thinking, hey, it's Dale Earnhardt. You know, he's walked away from Rex 10, 20 times worse than this. We leave the hospital. So obviously it's about an hour drive from, you know, East Stroudsburg to Anticoke. And I get home. And my mom has CNN on. They kept showing the wreck over and over again. It says, breaking news, Dale Earnhardt dead at the age of 49. It was just like a complete shock. And it's like one of those things, like last year, we all remember where we were when we found out about Kobe Bryant and the helicopter crash. We all remember where we were when September 11th would happen just just months later after, after Dale's accident. It's just one of those one of those sad moments you'll never ever forget the rest of your life. And the sad thing is, like I said, I go we went to the Pocono Medical Center to see my grandmother, and it was just a few days after Earnhardt's wreck that she passed away. So, 2001, man, it was if it was like 2020 before. You yeah, know. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of bad events happened that year. 
And uh, obviously this being one of them that, that rocked, you know, the NASCAR world. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, it made national news, of course, given who he was um, and everything. And, you know, like you said, I mean, when, even now, when you watch that uh, crash happen in, in full speed, you're thinking you're not thinking what actually happened could have happened. You're thinking he'll walk away from it. Yeah. And that's the thing. You see all of these wrecks that he had before that. And also a lot of the wrecks after his death. And when it was 10 years ago, when it was the 10th anniversary and they did the lap three tribute, like they're going to do later today at the end of lap three is lap four began. I'll never forget. Mike Joyce said it. He said, Dale Earnhardt's legacy may not be his seven championships or all of his wins, but the advances in safety ever since that dark day in 2001. And it's like I told you the other night, man, if he would have survived that wreck or if the wreck wouldn't have even happened, it's sad to think how many other fatalities there would have been in the sport in the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate that it, that it took that to make these changes. Um, but I mean, unfortunately, I mean, there's, you know, other examples in life where, you know, it, it, it takes something bad happening to make change. It's like people finally wake up and, and realize, wow, we really have to do something so this doesn't happen again. Um, Auto racing, especially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I've I watch all forms of motorsports. Like, I've watched Formula One. I've watched IndyCar. And like I talked about before, Formula One, it was the 1994 San Marino Grand Prix. And that Friday, there was a driver by the name of Rubens Barrichello. He careened into a catch fence, and he missed the rest of the weekend. And then Saturday, in qualifying, there was a driver by the name of Roland Ratzenberger. He crashed and died. And Senna, Ayrton Senna, who was undoubtedly the Dale Earnhardt of Formula One to a lot of people, in that race, you know, he's leading, he's just driving along and he hits a piece of debris and it goes right through his helmet. He veers right off the track into a wall and he's, he's dead just like that. And formula one did not, they did so much in safety ever since then. They didn't have another fatality for another 20 years. Unfortunately it, it happened in Japan in 2014 with, with Jules Bianchi, but my point is, like I said, it takes losing big names in auto racing for them to improve the safety. IndyCar, Dan Walden, on my birthday, Las Vegas Motor Speedway in 2011, losing him, then losing Justin Wilson at, at Pocono in 2015. Ever, losing Justin Wilson, and it was the same situation with Senna. Then you finally have the, these halo contraptions in IndyCar and Formula One where you don't have to worry about a piece of debris going through your helmet. And with Dale, it was the same thing where, you know, a lot of the, some of the drivers were starting to use the Hans device, you know, and Dale as old school as he was when Brett Bodine tried it at Pocono, just a couple of months before his death, he, he said to Brett, he's like, what are you, some kind of pussy? <laughs> That's just the way he yeah. was, you know? And, and he, he even said like the Hans device, he, he even called the Hans device a noose. Like he, he said, why do a, he said, why would I want one of these? I mean, he was as old school as they came. But if the guy that invented the Hans device, he said, if Dale would have had a Hans device, 
there was probably a 60 to 70% chance he would have survived. Now, 20 years later, he said those chances are up to 90%. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there's still never uh, a, you know, a foolproof way of, you know, keeping everybody 100% safe. There's always going to be an element of risk when you're going at the rate of speed that these guys are going and crashing into the wall and, into each other a, a lot so there, there's never going to be it's never going to be 100 percent safe but if if you yeah. can find ways over time to make things safer but also not um you know you, you i mean racing is racing at the end of the day there's always going to be that element but if you can find ways to incorporate extra safety measures you know they 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 should you know do it Exactly. I think the bottom line amongst all of this is never be complacent. No, absolutely not. Never be complacent. And the sad thing is the year before Dale's death, they had three fatalities in the sport. And like I said, this is what it took was losing arguably the greatest driver ever. That's I know a lot of people feel that way. And I, I can't even imagine what that piece is going to be like on ESPN. And Ryan Newman even said it himself. He said, if I would have had that wreck 20 years ago, I would not be here today. Well, I mean, and ironically, look what happened a year ago to Newman himself in the Daytona 500. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the, the safety measures that we just talked about, that's exactly why Ryan Newman um, is able to not only be alive today, but, I mean, he's racing again. I mean, that, that's a miracle yeah. in and of itself. Those safer barriers I read. Now, the safer barriers, they didn't really become – they didn't really – NASCAR didn't use them – until the year after Dale was killed. But I remember one of the initial reports that I heard was it softens at least 30% of the impact. Yeah, that's uh, obviously that's a, that's a big um, percentage increase in safety. And, and that, that definitely gives the driver um, a better chance to survive these wrecks. So it's, it's definitely going to be emotional today with the lap three tribute and, you know, I, like I said, I can't even imagine just the emotions that it'll be for Dale Jr. and Kelly and Carrie, Taylor and Nicole and his siblings, but especially his mother, Martha, who's 90 years old and is still living in Kannapolis, North Carolina. I mean, this is this is definitely going to be an emotional moment today for sure. And I'm glad that NASCAR, Daytona and Fox, I'm glad that they're they're continuing this tradition like they did in 2011. Yeah, um, it's definitely going to be a nice tribute to him and it's definitely going to be emotional for everybody, whether, whether you, you know, were an Earnhardt fan or even if you, you know, cheered against them, it's It's an emotional day across the sport for everybody. I, I think it was Ted Koppel that said it the day after the accident, he said, this was like losing Michael Jordan, Joe Montana and John Wayne all combined into one. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you talk about, you know, NASCAR and, you know, you, you talk about legendary status, it's it's the, the two names to me that come to mind for, you know, NASCAR would be Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. Even Jeff Gordon as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jeff Gordon, for me, obviously, being a being a, a, a Gordon <laughs> yeah. fan, but but I mean, you know, when you talk about you know, legends in the sport. I mean, between Petty and and Earnhardt, I mean, 
it, it doesn't get any bigger than those two names. Old school, yeah, man. Uh, Old exactly. school. That's the thing. It's that progression that I talked about with when Richard Petty dominated, it was a regional Southern sport. When Dale dominated, it became a national sport. Yes. And then when Jeff took over in the late nineties and early two thousands, that's when it became a global phenomenon. Yes. I mean, and, and as much of a Jeff Gordon fan as, as I am, and, you know, obviously kind of, you know, okay for Jimmy Johnson as well. I mean, considering they were teammates, but even Jimmy Johnson with his seven championships, I mean, does he have the legendary status that Dale Earnhardt, you know, does or Richard Petty does? I don't know if he, if, 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 you know, people consider him that type of legend. What, I mean, Jimmy, what the way I look at it is he won seven championships. He won 83 races, yes. but all that was with Chad Knauss. And, you know, it's like Josh Manley has talked about, you know, the, the Brady and Belichick comparison, you know, sure enough, they won six championships together, but Brady just won a Super Bowl with, with Bruce Arians and with Jimmy granted. I mean, Jimmy's the same age, right about the same age that Tom Brady is. He's two years older than him. But Jimmy wasn't able to have that same success with, with Kevin Mendering or Cliff Daniels after him and Chad Knauss split apart from each That's other. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Chad, I mean, Chad did a respectable job with William Byron. I mean, he made him a Cup Series winner, but obviously the, that level of success, it wasn't anything like the success that him and Jimmy Johnson had together. Right. And it definitely feels weird, like I said, him not being a crew chief anymore. And it makes you wonder makes you wonder how much longer Bill Belichick is going to coach for. Yeah, I mean, the, you, you never know. But, I mean, I, I, I think his time is winding down. I mean, I don't know. It, it yeah. all depends on how, you know, the Patriots do this year. I think if they have another year like they did this past year, I, I think you could see him uh, right off into the sunset there. Him and Bruce Arians are both going to turn 69 years old this year. Wow. Bruce said, I loved it with Bruce. He said, he said, I don't know about the year after that and the year after that, but I'll sure as hell be back for next I year. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. The Tom Heller of the NFL. So happy for him. I mean, he's, he's, he's a oh, hell of a too. coach. I was happy for Andy Reid, you know, last year winning it. And this year, uh, Bruce Arians winning it. I mean, it, that's just another feel good story for a good man and a good coach. Yeah. And like I said, having his wife, his children and his grandchildren there, but especially his 95 year old mother. Absolutely. That was, that was great seeing her, uh, you know, at the stadium. Yeah. So before we get into our picks for today and our picks for the championship four later this year, I know you have the outline there with you. Some of the best Daytona 500 moments, what stands out to you? Um, yeah, obviously for me personally, uh, you know, Jeff Gordon in 1997 and, uh, 1999, you know, Mm -hmm. Jeff Gordon's had, had several key moments in, in Daytona 500. So for me personally, and again, I'm biased being a Jeff Gordon fan, but, uh, those definitely, uh, stood out. Um, when you look back, you know, at some of these other ones, um, I mean, look at Richard Petty in 81, um, yeah. You know, and I mean, it's it's gutsy calls 
like that. It's not just how good you are as a driver. It's not just how good your car is. It's these decisions that you make, that your pit crew makes in, in terms of strategy. When do you pit and what do you do when you pit? You know, in 81, he took uh, gas only. He didn't get fresh tires. It's decisions like that that, you know, can make or break the race for you. And sometimes in certain moments, it's all about rolling the dice. It sure is. In 1981, Bobby Allison dominated that race, and they didn't even think about just taking gas only. But Richard Petty and and his cousin Dale Inman, they thought, well, this is the only way that we're going to beat Bobby, so let's do it. And sure enough. And it paid off for them. And we could very well see today um, a decision come down to pit strategy and somebody that takes fuel only or maybe somebody doesn't even go in at all and they like, hey, Let's roll the dice on the fuel we have. We might be okay. And sometimes that pays off. Other times, like the other night for Denny Hamlin in the dual race, it did not. He ran out of gas. Yeah. And you bring up an excellent point as far as strategy and taking chances and gas only and staying out. Because like I said, what's the one factor that we're going to have to deal with today? Good old money. Yeah, Richard. with the rain. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, yeah. It could... D- depending on when the uh, it, it, you're down in Florida, it could rain in, in five minutes or it could be sunny for two hours. You don't, it's unpredictable there. Yeah. Uh, 2009, that's one that comes to mind for me was Elliot Sadler. He stayed out under caution. He knew that the rain was coming and he was trying his hardest to hold off Matt Kenseth, but Kevin gave, gave Matt one hell of a push past Elliot. And Elliot's own teammate, A.J. Allmendinger, he even helped the two of them out. And Matt ends up winning his first Daytona 500, rain shortened in a backup car. And, you know, 80, I was going to say 86 was another one. You know, Dale Earnhardt, that luck that he had in the 500, that Brad Keselowski luck that we talked about, he dominated all of Speed Weeks, winning the Bush Clash, winning his qualifying race, winning the Bush race, but runs out of gas and Jeff Bonine is there to take advantage of it. Like that's just Daytona the way it's always been. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, besides just, you know, the strategy that comes into plays with fuel and with tires, these pit crews are going to be checking out the weather apps, the entire race and and trying to make a judgment call possibly based on the weather. Yeah. 2003. That's another one that stands out to me. (laughs) Dale jr. He wins the Bud Shootout. He qualifies on the front row for the 500. Wins the qualifying race. Wins the Bush race. He's leading the Daytona 500. The rain comes. They go to restart the race, and the battery's dead. Man. And at that point, I'm thinking to myself, yep, he's going to have his father's luck in the Daytona 500. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, being an Earnhardt fan, 1998. Finally, you know, 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration, like Mike Joyce said. I don't know if you're ever going to see that ever again in NASCAR, where every man on every crew lines up on pit road to congratulate the winner of the race. Yeah, that that's that. You don't see that that often. That's respect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is respect. And you're talking about 97, and Jeff. Terry Labonte, Ricky Craven, they're finishing one, two, three for Rick Hendrick. This was right after he was diagnosed with leukemia. And with Dale, sure enough, the last year before he finally won the 500, he flips on the backstretch and he's sitting in the ambulance and he's looking out the window and he's thinking to himself, he's like, man, he's like, the wheels are still straight. 
he hops out of the ambulance and he says to the tow truck guy, he says, well, it's still crank. The guy cranks the engine up and he says, get the hell out of my race car. <laughs> he finished the Daytona 500 with the roof caved in. Wow. <laughs> and the spoiler dangling off the back. Because he just, he, like, he that just was wanted just... to finish the race. Exactly. That's what Larry McReynolds said last Tuesday on the Dale Jr. Download. He just did not want to have a DNF in the Daytona 500. And sure enough, like I said, 99, holding off Dale Earnhardt, who pretty much taught him how to be successful at Daytona. I mean, and then after the race was over, how he pulls up alongside Jeff and body slams him and gives him a congratulatory donut like one of those, like, hell of a job. Yeah. Yeah. But 2004, six years to the day of your father winning the Daytona 500. And, you know, like I said, going into 04, I'm thinking, I'm hoping that he doesn't have to wait 20 years to win the Daytona 500. And that pass that he made on Tony Stewart on the backstretch, it almost kind of looked like that donut that he gave Jeff Gordon, that Dale Earnhardt gave Jeff Gordon in 99. Just the way he pulled up alongside of him, got right to his door and blew right by him. And Dale Jr. winning that first Daytona 500 six years to the day. And how in victory lane, he, he said that his dad was over in the passenger side riding with him and he was having a blast. Definitely, definitely kind of brings tears to your eyes when you think of it. And, yeah. you know, and then, like I said, for, for Kevin Harvick to win on the sixth anniversary of, of the accident, the way that he beat Mark Martin as the whole field crashes behind them and Clint Boyer, Clint Boyer, on his roof across the start finish line and then landing on his wheels. I actually saw that car at the RCR museum and it still had all the burn marks and all the grass in it and everything like that. was just absolutely incredible. Wow. And in 2010, 2010, I don't know if you remember this or not. Now you said it was what 2009, the first 500 that you and your wife watched together. Yes. All right. Well, like I said, that was one to forget. (laughs) (laughs) Dale Jr. getting pissed off at Brian Vickers once again, but 2010, it should have been the Nanny Coke 500 because we had a pothole delay, not once, but twice. Oh, man. <laughs> good old Northeast Pennsylvania. I mean, pick a town, yeah. pick a town, pick a pothole. <laughs> the Nanny Coke 500, and the race started at 1 o'clock. It didn't finish until like almost 7.30 at night, and this is when Dale was going through a very, very rough patch in his career. And there's two laps to go. He's all the way back in 10th. And Jamie McMurray, his first race with, with Chip Ganassi, his first race back with Chip Ganassi for that matter, they're coming to get the white flag. And Dale Jr.'s fifth. And I'm thinking, okay, top five is good. So they go down into turn one, and he blows right past. It was Clint Boyer and Greg Biffle. And I start screaming like crazy. I'm like, come on, Junior, come on. And my dad's like, what the hell are you doing? I thought he was 20th 10 laps ago. I'm like, he's all the way up to second. And then immediately my dad rushes right in there, and we're cheering like crazy for Dale Junior to beat Jamie McMurray. But he just ran out of time there at the end and ended up finishing second. And Jamie, you know, Jamie was in tears in victory lane. That just shows what the Daytona 500 means. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, well, Jamie, just a couple months before that, you know, he didn't even know if he he was even going to have a ride for 2010. So just as much as I hate finishing second, just seeing that that genuine emotion from him was really, really special. And I remember Sean, Sean Rosansky that day being a junior fan himself. 
and the delays for the potholes and everything, he said, well, this is a chance to make a bear run. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that he was going nuts at the end of that race, too. You know, he, he said, he said, I, I just about kicked my chair over. I was screaming for Junior there at the end. <laughs> it's funny. You br- it's so, funny. You, you bring up that they should have called it the, the Nanny Coke 500 with the potholes. And then Sean brings up beer run. I mean, you got to have a couple two tree beers at the, the Nanny Coke 500. 500. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 2011 was special. Trevor Bain, I mean, talk about one-hit wonders to win the 500 in just a second start. That was incredible. And 2012, man, how for the first time ever, it had to be run on a Monday, and it was on Monday night. And Juan Pablo Montoya crashing in on a jet tire. <laughs> I remember that. Dude, I was in, <laughs> I remember that dude, happening. I I was at Misericordia and I had a presentation at 8.30 in the next morning. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to suck. Because <laughs> that race didn't finish until 1 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. Oh. And they get they take the white flag and Dale Jr. is running third. And I know he's got a shot. I mean, it's Daytona and you're an Earnhardt. And Greg Biffle, he was a teammate to Matt Kenseth. Dale tried to pass him going down the back straightaway and Greg blocked him. And then he tried passing him low and he blocked him again. And then finally coming off of turn four, Dale Jr. pulls up alongside of Biffle and blows right by him, but he runs out of time to get to Matt and Matt or Greg even said after race was over, he said, yeah, I was, I was blocking there for Matt at the end. And me and me and Sean were pissed as you can imagine, (laughs) you know, but in 2014, like I said, funny story behind all that. Me and Kyle Williams, we go bowling the night before the Daytona 500, and I bowled an 88, and he said, dude, that's a sign right there. And having to endure a six-hour rain delay and Dale Jr. running over a piece, of, or a piece of tape, and it hits the front of the grill, and I'm thinking, oh, great, the engine's now going to overheat after he dominated this race. And those blocks that he made on Brad Keselowski and Jeff Gordon and Denny Hamlin, Dale Jr. did something his father never did, and that's when a second Daytona 500. And just the genuine emotion he had that night with Amy and Steve Letarte and Rick Hendrick, you know, just all that he had been through from 2004 up to that point, you know, being split up with his cousin and his uncle, Tony Sr. and Tony Jr., leaving DEI, the concussions, just seeing him genuinely enjoy things again that's that's my favorite daytona 500 moment was 2014 just that emotion that he had and we've had some good ones like i said denny winning three daytona 500s in spectacular fashion and then you know kurt bush finally winning it in 2017 i mean these are just some of the best daytona 500 moments and man i'm hoping we make more incredible moments later today or this evening whenever we get this race i I definitely think there will be um and yeah you know, we, we had epic finishes in both trucks and Xfinity, like I, I mentioned earlier. So I, I think mm-hmm. I think we're definitely going to see one in Cup today. I really do. And even the dual races, those finishes they were, were incredible. They were. They absolutely yeah. were, yes. So you feel like there's going to be a first-time winner today, huh? I really do, yes. Um, I, I definitely think uh, I like Bubba Wallace, and I, I've, as you know, um, I've been thinking about this for literally the last month, month and a half that I've kind of been 
on Bubba here for this race simply because he's been very good at Daytona and he's been in the mix uh, prior to this and it's a new team. It's new equipment. And one of his, you know, quote unquote teammates, Denny Hamlin, who I mentioned earlier has been the hottest uh, driver at Daytona right now. Um, You know, maybe Denny gives him a boost. I mean, I'm not saying Denny's going to, you know, go out of his way to help Bubba get the win, but if they link up and at the right time, Bubba could make a move and he could certainly be in the, the winner's circle. I totally agree. And here's the thing we're talking about first time winners. So you like, uh, you like trends and patterns as Larry McReynolds always says, train. <laughs> well, I got, I got a train for you, Jason Boone. <laughs> Bubba Wallace in that 23 car. I, I love Larry McReynolds. But, <laughs> so 2001, we talked about how emotional of a day that was. And lost in all of that was Michael Waltrip scoring the first win of his career after 463 races. In 2011, Trevor Bain, his first win in just his second start. So think about that. It, these last 10 years, every 10 years, Michael Waltrip in 2001, Trevor Bain in 2011. There's a very, very good possibility that that trend could continue today. That that's a I, I didn't even know that. That's a that's a fantastic yeah. trend, and that just that just gets me even more excited potentially to see yeah. uh, possibly you know Bubba pick up the the victory today. That would be incredible. Yeah. So I'm kind of on the fence with who I've I've been trying to pick. Now, me being a smart ass and everything, I was thinking, oh, yeah, well, watch it be Austin Dillon. And it very well could be. He's always been great at Daytona. And, I mean, look at the moves that he made on Thursday. It was fantastic. And, ironically, he made he made the, the move on Bubba Wallace, who's my pick for today. Yeah. Um, you know, Bubba finished second in that dual race. And Austin, like I said earlier, he made a fantastic move on Thursday night to get the victory. So, He's definitely a name to watch out for. And the guy that he replaced at RCR pushed in the victory, Kevin Harvick. Oh, <laughs> how crazy that is that? Is. That's wild. I I was leaning with Austin Dillon, but I'm honestly, the more I thought about it, I'm going to go with the other guy that won on Thursday night, and that's Eric Almarola. To me, it's a contract year. We talk about all the vibes with Tampa Bay, with the Lightning with the Rays, with the Buccaneers. He had the fastest car in that first qualifying race. This is a contract year. Austin Dillon hooked him into the wall head-on three years ago to win the Daytona 500. Eric is one of the good guys. This is the prove-it year. And I I don't know. I just feel like I know Josh leaned towards him and Dale Kibler leaned towards him. Something just tells me that (laughs) the trend continues for Tampa. You know, it it's it's a very strong possibility. And again, what I like about these picks that, you know, we're making and that, you know, those guys made on, on the average Joe's uh show, we're we're not picking the 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 heavy hitters. You know, nobody nobody no. nobody's mentioning Hamlin, nobody's mentioning uh Chase Elliott, the defending champion, nobody's mentioning uh Kevin Harvick uh, as their picks to win. I like I like these under the radar picks that have a great shot to win. Dogs of War picks. Exactly. Huh? Dogs of War, baby. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's definitely going to happen. I think you're going to see a guy that 
is not your heavy hitter favorite, um, pull this out. And it's Daytona where, you know, these underdog stories are, are commonplace. So one last bit. So you've got Bubba Wallace for today. I've got Eric Almarola. Yes. Last one. Okay. Your championship four. Oh, I was not ready for this, but um, I def- you definitely have to include Chase Elliott in there. Um, that that's yeah. definitely one of the four that that I would pick. I think yeah, I'm going to go back to the well on this. Um, I know he missed the final four, but I got to put Kevin Harvick in there. Same here. So that's two. Yeah. I'm going to go Denny Hamlin as as number three. Yeah, I definitely think he's going to get back in there. And oh boy. The, the fourth the fourth one you know I I I I think I'm gonna have to go Kyle Bush I I just I, I don't know why I got a gut feeling on him I uh, you know he was the champion two years ago he had a rough year last year but he got like like I kept mentioning earlier he got a win unfortunately after he was eliminated he picked yeah. up a win. He won the uh, the clash on Tuesday night. It was kind of lucky how he won, but he still won, which is a confidence booster, you would think. So I'm I'm gonna say it's a bounce back year for Kyle Busch as uh, uh, he gets into the final four. That's awesome, and especially with a new crew chief and a new pit crew, like I said, could be this year's Brad Keselowski for all we know. Absolutely. Yeah, and like I said, Brad, I feel like he's going to have a good year. I feel like he's going to win, I say, maybe three or four races, but I think a lot of those will be the flat tracks like it was last year, places like Richmond, New Hampshire, Phoenix. I say that he just barely misses out on that championship four and fifth. It kills me to say this, but I'm going to go Chase Elliott, back-to-back champion, and I think Denny and Joey, I think they will definitely be a part of the Final Four again. And like I said, Kevin Harvick, he will definitely make it back after missing it last year. So the the the, the major difference for our Final Four, um, you're basically, instead of Kyle Busch, you're picking Joey Logano, who was in the Final Four last year. Okay. Yeah, I think I think him and Paul him and Paul Wolf, like I said, that's that's an incredible duo. And it, another team that showed their strength at the end of the year. So Absolutely. I think that that relationship is, is only going to get better. And like I said, Keselowski and Blaney, I think they'll just be right on the fringe of making it Kyle Larson as well. And then Truex as well. I, I think those, I think it'll be a lot of the same things that we saw last year, but obviously Kyle Larson, like I said, I think he'll come close to making the final four, but not enough. Yeah. It, it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, he's, He's a name like if you're looking outside of the top five or six drivers from last year um, as somebody who could crack into the the top four, Larson's definitely a name to watch. I totally agree. I think <clears throat> I know Kurt Busch. I know he came close to the final four last year, but I just don't know, especially with all these retirement rumors. I think he'll win a race, but I don't know if it'll be that same level that it was last year. And I'll tell you, your boy Chase Briscoe. I say one or two wins and round of twelve. Oh wow, round of twelve. That's that. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with him getting at least one win this year, and you know enough to get into the playoffs. Um, I just don't know if he'll make the round of twelve, but 
he's certainly he's certainly capable of it. And I have a long shot flyer on on him to win the whole thing. It's a long shot. I'm not expecting it, of course. I, yeah. I mainly did it for fun. Um, but you know, if there's a rookie, in my opinion, that that can break through, um, I definitely think he's capable of it. And like, and the point that I come back to is last year in Xfinity, um, on a couple of occasions when Kyle Busch went into those races at Xfinity, Briscoe went toe to toe with him. So if he could go toe to toe with Kyle Busch, I certainly think he can go toe to toe with all these guys at the cup series. And I think it's going to be a fun year to see how that plays out for him for sure. Fading Mr. Starburst. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I got such a kick out of that. Yeah. Fading Mr. Starburst. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I may, I may go, I may not fade him this year though. I mean, you know, yeah. that I, I, yeah. just, I have a gut feeling that it's going to be a bounce back year for Kyle Busch. I think I just, you know, it's it's just a gut feeling I have that I think he can turn things around this year. I totally agree. And like you said, I know you expect Tyler Reddick at some point to win a race this year. You said it might be Miami. I'm thinking Miami Homestead is, is, is going to be for Tyler Reddick for sure. And I mean, we'll, we'll definitely preview that when we get to um, Miami Uh Homestead week, which is only a short time away, but, two weeks he's definitely on my radar for that for that track as long as he remembers what lap it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my god it's the last lap (laughs) he didn't even realize it was the last lap that was incredible last year yeah and he yeah oh we're done (laughs) what (laughs) what do you mean we're done i thought we had a couple more (laughs) oh that was you had money on him oh my god we're going to have to dive into that for, for Miami Homestead week and, and, and yeah. what exactly happened there. We got to go back to that. So you're not, you're not picking Kyle Larson for Miami. Well, uh, probably not. I mean, we'll see how was... he does, you know, these next two weeks. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, if he's, if he has a strong showing, I mean, I might consider him for, for Miami, but um, right now, at least in the early going, um, I mean, he's a name that I'm watching, of course he can, he, you know, I mean, he's certainly capable, but I, I'm, I'm thinking Larson, if I had to make a guess, I would say that he gets off to a slow start. I agree. I mean, you've been away from NASCAR for almost a full year. Yeah. It was March 8th, the last time that he raced and it was April 13th when he got suspended indefinitely. And you're with, even though it's the five car, you have the old 48 crew with Cliff Daniels. You know, Alex Bowman and Greg Ives, they're, they're, it's the same 88 bunch that they were for a number of years. It's just that they've, they've rebranded the numbers and everything. And even though, like I said, even though it's Hendrick Motorsports, I, I could definitely see a slow start, but I would definitely watch out for him at Miami. And I think like Josh Manley talked about, and of course, Dale Kivler, I was going to say that, that'll piss Dale off that you didn't pick him for Miami. That's okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but I think honestly, in my opinion, I know we talked about Briscoe and, and Bell. Um, honestly, without a doubt, I think Larson is definitely the favorite for the Bristol race. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and, and again, when we get much closer to uh, that that dirt race, which I'm really looking forward to, just from a, a spectator standpoint, I, I that's going to be awesome yeah. to see. Um, the thing for me with Larson and Hendrick Motorsports, it, just in general it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because 
it's even it's going to put even more pressure on a guy like Alex Bowman if Kyle Larson does well because you have the defending champion on your team with Chase Elliott and if Kyle Larson yeah. performs very well this year I mean, you know, it's going to really put guys like Bowman and Byron on the back burners. I was just going to say, I think the level of talent, and I like William Byron, but I think the level of talent that Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott have compared to William Byron and Alex Bowman, it's like night and day. It really is. And that's yeah. why it's there's a lot of pressure on those two young guys, Byron and Bowman this year, because if they underwhelm, if they underperform, how much longer will they be at Hendrick Motorsports? Exactly. Like I said, this is the contract year for Bowman, and William Byron's contract expires next year. But as we saw with, with Kyle Busch when he was at Hendrick Motorsports, you know, his contract was through 2009, but 08 and 09 were option years. Yeah, absolutely. So it, that, that, I mean, there's a lot of storylines this year with, with a lot of different drivers, and it's just going to, it's going to make the entire year exciting. And what better way to kick that off than today's Daytona 500? The Great American Race, the Super Bowl, you name it, I cannot wait. So there you have it. Bubba Wallace is Boone's pick for today. My pick is Eric Almarola. Our final four, you said Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Kyle mm -hmm. Busch, me, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, and Joey Logano. So little bit of a difference there but nonetheless i appreciate you coming on i'm looking forward to today and this season and can't wait to have you back on soon yeah buddy. thanks again for having me this was a lot of fun can't wait to do it again and enjoy yes, the race today man oh you too man that's gonna do it for episode 46 of jake's take thank you to jason boone thank you to everybody tuning in enjoy the daytona 500 today Woo! boogity 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 let's go